0: This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to a better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside, I'm Andrew McCrae. Agriculture and rural America face a number of key issues. Is the Rural electorate falling behind because it's failing to name and frame the key issues correctly? Perhaps that sounds like an odd question, but Chris Gibbs, an Ohio farmer and president of Rural Voices USA, says that farm country can benefit by discussing and advocating for those issues from a shared perspective. And that may involve seeing the issues from a different viewpoint than you ever imagined. It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio. If you ask farmers what their greatest concern is this year, they will likely say rising nitrogen prices. For our farm, higher nitrogen prices and our desire to increase bushels with more sustainable farming methods led me to PivotBio Proven 40, which can produce up to the equivalent of 40 pounds of synthetic nitrogen. Our field demonstrations show an opportunity for a better ROI and a reduction of synthetic nitrogen. Turn to a better nitrogen with PivotBio. I hope you'll learn more. Just go to pivotbio.com. Chris Gibbs farms in Ohio and also serves as president of Rural Voices USA. Patty Judge, a former Iowa lieutenant governor and past state secretary of agriculture there, is a name familiar to some and part of the group's leadership as well. You may not agree with everything Chris has to say, but that's not necessarily the point. He's hoping Rural America can work together to identify key issues and frame them in a way that helps all in the ag industry. He says agricultural America may be falling behind the rest of the country simply because it's not framing key issues in the best way. Some of the topics he discusses, like health care and voting rights, can certainly be polarizing. But he says there's an important reason people in rural America need to see those issues from all perspectives and find shared perspectives if they want to create a positive impact on their towns and cities and the people living, working, and farming there. I'm visiting with Chris Gibbs, who is the president of Rural Voices USA, also a farmer in Ohio. Chris, I appreciate you joining me. And why don't you first begin by talking about where you farm and then also get let us know about what is Rural Voices USA?
1: Sure. Hey, great to be here, Andrew. Appreciate the time and and uh, the experience. Uh, Chris Gibbs, Ohio farmer, Western Ohio, my wife and I, and son and daughter-in-law own 560 acres, own and operate 560 acres here, corn, soybeans, and wheat, and also we've got 85 cows, cow-calf operation, mama cows, uh, right here on a full pasture operation. Uh, So that's me. Um, She was started that back in all the mid-80s during the during the farm crisis of the '80s, kind of started with nothing, like a lot of folks did. Had a pickup truck and a two-year-old daughter and twenty-five hundred dollars, and we've we've been very fortunate to grow it from there. So, I tell you what, uh, Rural Voices USA. We started this organization. There's three of us uh, here: uh, Patty Judge, uh, Lieutenant, former Lieutenant Governor out of Iowa, myself uh, as president, and then Tim Wolf comes from. A um, agricultural leadership family in the Pennsylvania area. And, you know, tell you what, our organization, uh, we advocate on, on behalf of rural folks um, to hold co- policymakers accountable, um, hold them accountable for rural issues, including climate change, uh, voting rights, certainly agricultural policy that many of your listeners are, are very uh, attuned to, uh, re- renewable energy. Uh, rural education, uh, broadband access, um, and healthcare. This is just a few of the issues that we work on.
0: We're going to jump into some of those issues. I'm interested when you all began the organization, was it because you saw, was it a a void in other organizations? Certainly there's plenty of people out there advocating for ag issues. Uh, Was it a specific area or a specific niche that you thought that you could provide or needed help uh, in getting that voice out? Yeah, what what
1: what a great question. You know, the niche is that when we look out across particularly rural America, we need balance. We need balance in what our folks in rural America are being told, um, whether what they're being told about cultural issues, religion, uh, race, all of those issues, and particularly agricultural policy and rural policy. Um, many times. Uh, They're only told one side of the story, And, and this is a political issue. When I talk about balance, what I mean is that there is much more in America that unites us than divides us. And what we saw was that if we provide some balance in the information that people are getting in rural America, we can bridge this divide that we have bridge this cultural divide. You know, there's far too many folks out there, um, unfortunately, that their mission is to divide us. (laughs) Uh, They divide our communities, divide our families, and at Rural Voices USA, we're just not gonna tolerate that. We're gonna call that out. Um, I don't care what party you're from. Um, If if your mission is to to divide us uh, for your own means, then uh, then you're going to then you're going to hear from us
0: do you feel that some of the key issues and i'd be interested if you want to go ahead and jump into some of those has rural america gotten behind because we have been divided too much whether it's from <laughs> the right the left whatever mm-hmm. party or whatever group if it's urban and suburban are we falling behind because we haven't united around some key issues and and if so what are some of those key ones that we should be uh, rallying behind uh, getting all sides behind in rural america
1: yeah, well, let's just let's just talk about a few of those. And, and I think we are behind because depending on what party you're from, um, it's possible that it's, it's not nouveau to talk about health care. Uh, let's just start start right there. You know, I'd like to talk about health care, voting rights, um, you know, agriculture policy. We can do the whole thing. But let's kind of start at at one end and, and chat about health care. You know, universal health care is something that, one party believes maybe it's a social justice issue. Another party believes it's an economic issue. I happen to believe <laughs> that if we frame this as an economic issue, healthcare for all, that rural America can be better off. Let me give an example. How many folks listening today have a spouse working off the farm, maybe, working in town because of one thing, and that thing is health care because they can't afford health care as a sole proprietor on the farm but what if we had an expansion of the affordable affordable care act or we had some form of medicare for all uh, health care for all uh, policy that that spouse could come back to the farm and get her or his healthcare there and start another enterprise on the farm, which would leave an opening for another job in town. That new enterprise could then expand the farm, make it more diverse, and that becomes an economic issue. Let me give you one more example on healthcare. Let's say that you're a baker, I and mean, I I'm not a baker, I don't know how many donuts. You make in a, in a in a morning at four o'clock in the morning. But let's say that you're looking across the street, you've got yourself and maybe some somebody else is helping you. You look across the street and there's a new building over there, and you think, you know if I had access to that building, I could go from making five hundred donuts to five thousand donuts. But you know why they don't don't do that? Because they can't offer health care to the individuals that they would need to do that another economic example where if we had some type of universal health care in rural America, that we could expand economic activity. Third thing, well, let, 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 let's wait a minute and chat about broadband. So,
0: all right. Yeah. Well, we'll get over to broadband here in a second. Let's talk about what you just said though, because as you mentioned earlier, you know, if you bring up something like universal health care, that will be a non-starter for a lot of folks, perhaps in rural America. So, How do you overcome that? Because I think what you just mentioned is certainly viable that people say, yeah, I wish I did not have to work off farm in order to get the health insurance for my family. And Real Voices USA sounds like it's trying to bridge that gap. So how do you make that happen? Because you've got two polarized sides and it looks like it's sometimes hard to bring them together.
1: Right. And and I'm going to say, number one, it's difficult. But number two, let's go back to what I said in the beginning. It's an, economic issue if we make it an economic for all issue instead of a social justice issue then everybody no matter what side whether the right or the left they understand economics okay and they understand that we can make rural america more economically viable we can make farms more economically viable we can make that baker in town more economically viable if They don't have to spend resources if they don't have to worry about resources of getting health care for their employees or their family. It's an economic issue,
0: hands down. Certainly on the economic side, you will have people say, well, that is good, but how can we afford it? You'll always hear that. What does Real Voices USA say about that piece of of that equation when it comes to health care?
1: Well, that's part of holding policymakers accountable if we need something, if we if we want it, we've proved in this United States that if we if something's important to us, we'll find the money for it. But just think of the again, the economic activity that can be created. You know, I'll go back to use an argument from the right, um, that works a lot of times. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but the economic activity that'll be created by having additional enterprises on the farm to have an additional employees in that example of that baker, those can help pay for that.
0: You said that you were going to get there into broadband, and certainly that's an issue that we should go to. Uh, You know, I'm encouraged because I now have broadband. I have fiber out uh, on our farm. I feel uh, very fortunate. We're certainly seeing more of this roll out. Uh, What are you seeing? And talk about the advocacy there with Real Voices USA.
1: Well, let me give you an example, just a very personal example. Um, I'm very fortunate today that we can do this interview. Um, I'm having a good day on my Internet here in, uh, in rural Shelby County, Ohio, Western Ohio. I'm 1400 foot from a hard line. I don't have broadband at my house, but again, I'm real fortunate because th- today seems like a pretty good day. I hope we don't get cut off. Um, gee whiz. What has happened here in rural America is a, cr- is a crime. And, and it's, it's been exposed because of COVID. When our children needed to be at home, um, on it online or learning when our uh, our business in, individuals men and women were at home during covid they needed zoom they needed that access to broadband they needed that uh, for their education whether or not they were in school or, or what have you so the fact that the president um, got a few Republican legislators to go along and got the get the broadband bill passed this, is a huge boon for rural America. Let me tie it back to healthcare because I almost went there a minute ago. We've lost hundreds of rural hospitals across this United States. Just think, if we had rural broadband, if we had dependable rural broadband, which we're gonna get, now all of a sudden, our rural folks have access to video medicine that they never had before. Those rural hospitals that are still there have access now to specialists that are in larger cities that would never re- make a residency within a small rural community. But broadband makes that happen. Education. We've got folks that want to get to community colleges, want to get advanced degrees. Now they can do that online because they can depend on their connection for broadband this is a big deal for rural america you know f- folks in the cities don't realize many times how good they have it when i when i travel to a city it's whether it's new york or whether it's columbus or, or ohio cincinnati what have you i've got great access okay to broadband to wi-fi and so forth but rural america hasn't had that and by golly we're going to
0: have it You know, there is quite a bit of money out there, and, and people will say maybe that's good or bad that's going out to a lot of communities. Do you feel that rural America is taking advantage of what is there? If it is there, you might as well be able to put that money to use. Have you been looking at that as far as the funds, whether it be ARPA funds, different funds coming out to rural America? Are we in the ag community taking advantage of the opportunities that are presented to us right now?
1: Well, I think that's one of the goals of any organization is to make sure that they make those opportunities known to rural America. I'm going to answer that with just one simple phrase. It's rural America's turn. It's our turn for healthcare, for broadband, to make changes, to to be a part of the climate change uh, solutions. It's rural America's turn.
0: You mentioned the climate change there. And one of the things I wanted to get over to is biofuels. And certainly uh, that's always something of interest, no matter which party might be in the White House or controlling the, the legislature. So are we making ground and how does bio, how do biofuels play out in an era in which I think we, we look at these climate change type of bills, things going on. Some people are concerned about how that affects me on the farm. Uh, how do you see it?
1: Well, biofuels, let's start with ethanol and realize how we got here. Um, Farmers created the ethanol industry, created it decades ago to take care of supplies, number one, or actually, that was number two. Number one was to help us not be dependent on foreign oil. Okay. So that's where we started. And We've advanced ourselves to the renewable fuel standard, which calls for a certain amount of blending to be done. But we fight on a daily basis, literally on a daily basis, we fight the oil companies. Because if you're blending 10% ethanol, 15% ethanol, or even more, that takes less that, that makes less room for for our, our friends in the oil industry. But tell you what, ethanol is a rural issue. It comes from farmers. It's a renewable fuel, it's a clean fuel. And all of the individuals that work in the ethanol industry, hauling corn, uh, working at the ethanol plants, hauling ethanol, those are all good rural jobs. So we're in a situation right now where we're looking for additional oil. We're looking, excuse me, we're looking for additional energy, I should say. This is the time for renewable fuels. We've got them right here, right here under our nose. All the all the administration has to do is to say, all right, we're going to commit to making increase in our blending now because we don't have good access to oil because the investments in oil have decreased over the years. That's why we haven't been able to immediately ramp all those oil supplies up because of the in response to the Russian aggression in Ukraine. But here stands ethanol ready to go. The second thing is watch out for aviation, not watch out, I should say, keep an eye on um, the use of biofuels in aviation, particularly soy diesel, or actually soy diesel, in aviation. Aviation is committed to climate change, and renewable fuels, and that's gonna manifest itself into an increased need for soy oil and other oils. So soybean acres are gonna be increasingly diverted to biofuels as the aviation industry ramps up their use of biofuels in jets. This is gonna be a big deal, and I don't think we, we've even hardly tapped into that of how big a deal it's gonna be. So this is good news for rural America. And rural America stands ready to be part of the climate change solutions, whether it's biofuels, whether it's cover crops, whether it's carbon sequestration, all of those things we can do and all of those things we will do
0: in rural America. Do you feel that either side, Democrat or Republican, clearly understands that because I certainly think we have one side that seems like we're going to jump clear over that to get to some, you know, these renewable sources like solar and wind and build those up. Uh, And some people worry, well, we're going to jump clear over this, but I don't think we can go that fast that quick. How do you begin to get that word out that, you know, ethanol biofuels can be a part of the the green energy movement, if you will?
1: Well, I guess I guess chatting with you today is is, is part of getting that information out to uh, to folks and, and all of your listeners and our and our legislators. listen, biofuels and climate change have to operate in a all of the above strategy. in other words, everything solar, wind, uh, ethanol, soy diesel, the whole nine yards all of that is going to get us to our climate change goals, no matter what administration we have. So, I, I guess that's where, that's where we, we got to keep we got to keep spreading the message.
0: You you mentioned about spreading the message, and the, the time we have left. I'm curious about how you've been able to do that. Are you bringing on other farmers uh, with this? I've been on your website, and, and certainly, I think you're looking for other voices to join rural voices, if you will.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What we did prior to the 2020 election uh, was start something that's very unique in in, in any organization. As a matter of fact, I don't think anybody else is doing it because it's extremely difficult, and we've been able to uh, be pretty successful at it. We started steering committees um, in Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and now we've expanded into Georgia and North Carolina. Uh, What we do is we put together educators farmers uh, prior legislators professional and career people uh, willing to give their most important possession beyond their family and what is their most important possession beyond family that's their name to give their name to a cause and these people are responsible for uh, writing letters to the editor letter letters to the editor if you will online news conferences um, radio interviews and they're the face of of rural voices USA in those states. I, I call them the minute men and men and minute, minute women um, of rural America, where they can be out there advocating um, within their states because they're a known commodity. They're an individual that's trusted and people know their names. And you know, if, if you're gonna move policy, if you're gonna change people's perspective, you have to do it with somebody they know. And you know, they'll say you know, I didn't always agree with Bill, but you know, he's pretty reasonable I guess I g I guess I gotta I guess I gotta give it a thought rather than just turning them off and thinking, well, he's a he's this or that. So that's kind of been part of our our, our secret weapon as we talk about voting rights and agricultural policy and rural education and broadband health care, all of those issues. So that's our secret sauce.
0: In a world in which it seems like we might be getting further apart, do you feel like you are able to bring some people together to have that dialogue? I think rural America has always been good at hopefully listening to one another, but uh, how do you feel the success is going in a climate in which it sometimes doesn't feel that way?
1: Well, it depends how you want to measure success. Um, You know, i tell people a lot of times they come into an organization they've got you know great ideas they want to change the world and and that's that's good we we want that we certainly want that energy but if you're driving a tugboat you can't just ram the front of a of an aircraft carrier once and expect it to spin around (laughs) so the issue here is to change opinions to get people to listen okay at places that they wouldn't normally listen to and to people that they normally wouldn't listen to and just move the needle a few degrees. Just move it a few degrees. Just get it moving. Um, and you know, certainly that's, that, that's what we're liking to do. That's what we're,
0: we're wanting to do. Chris, before we run out of time, any other issues you'd like to highlight or any other uh, priorities with Real Voices USA that you want to be sure to work in?
1: Yeah, sure. Let's, let's make sure we don't forget about voting rights. I think certainly voting rights has been polarized to say the least in in, in rural America between the right and the left. This is important to rural America. If it's none other than seeing rural post offices being eliminated or having less hours, that limits the access to absentee voting. So voting rights is a huge deal for rural America as as polling locations um, are, are closed down or consolidated, it makes them further away for our folks um, in rural America and makes access harder. So voting rights, we don't wanna overlook that at all because there's just too many places, too many times uh, that we've seen hundreds and hundreds of bills out there in rural America that are being proposed in state legislatures to limit voting rights, to limit um, time to limit the availability, to limit your, um, your ability to, uh, to identify yourself, to limit the time that you have to vote, particularly on an absentee basis. Uh, so let's all keep an eye on that and we'll be working on that through, uh, through the next election.
0: Chris, how do people keep up with the work of Rural Voices USA or connect with uh, what you're doing?
1: Um, our website, ruralvoices.us, that's ruralvoices.us. And then on Twitter, of course, at Rural Voices USA.
0: Chris, I appreciate the time. Thank you. Rural Voices USA is working to build dialogue and shared messaging around policies that can benefit rural America. That is not always an easy process, but he and the organization hope that it spurs conversations that bring people together to advocate for solutions that can benefit all and making farming and small town life a great option now and in the future. That's all the time we have for this week's show. Remember, you can hear all of our shows at farmingthecountryside.com, on many local radio stations, and on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow Farming the Countryside on Facebook as well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Andrew McCray. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to a better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com.